Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. This episode is brought to you by the Gutsy Health Membership Program, a program that gives you inexpensive tools and resources to heal your mind, body, and soul. Visit our website at mygutsyhealth.com. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I, I have, <laughs> You're not going to be I, able to do no, it. I, will. <laughs> I have Ryan Grover on the podcast with me. And, and um, Needs no introduction. He needs no intro. If you've been following me on Instagram, you know exactly who he is. It's interesting. I'll tell you the story. So Ryan and I have been together just over a year, and we're going to kind of share our story. And I... I wasn't going to share our story just because I just thought it's just personal life and it's not health related. But I was talking with a friend, Natalie Postal, who's Thrive Wellness AZ on Instagram. And she was saying, she was saying, why don't you talk about it? And I was like, oh, because it's just our life. And she was like, but stories of love are very healing for people. And she's like, and you're in the world of health, like love heals. And I was like, that's true. Let's, let's talk about our love. She's like, gross. <laughs> love. Gross. <laughs> um, Who wants to talk about that? So I want to share our story. And Ryan, before I launch into the story, just tell people a little bit about you. <laughs> this is a very open-ended question. <laughs> Hello, my name is Ryan Grover. I like long romantic walks down moonlit beaches. Mm, he's clearly an extrovert. I want nothing more in life than to retire to Africa <laughs> and raise rich back Rhodesian puppies. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you get hopefully a little tenor for what this is going to be like. Yeah. One big goof fest. And, um, and that's no. exactly who he is. He's just this goofball, like... Every time I post about you on Instagram, I think you're doing something silly and I'm laughing. Because I am. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's in my nature. It is. It's my nature. I just can't help it. And you have multiple accents. I do. I have way too many accents. A lot. And that usually clues you into when I'm trying to be goofy because I'll do uh -huh. something in an accent to try to... And, get you to laugh. And I love that the kids try to copy the accents too now. Like, I think <laughs> Tennyson's like, going to grow up. Jennifer poops at parties <laughs> and the people's noses. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Ten. Jennifer does poop at parties because she's a real party pooper. <laughs> so, okay, so about me, I am uh, slightly closer to middle age than Jeanique. I was vegan for a long time. Not really vegan anymore, thanks to my beloved. <laughs> I run a company called Health Cloud. We've been in business for 10 years. I studied philosophy in college, and I'm twice divorced. So that's relevant mm -hmm. to this discussion. It is. I think a lot of people are going to be really curious about that. Yeah. And, um, and wonder why you're dating me. I, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people were like, uh-oh, red flags. <laughs> serious. Yeah, red flags. Red flags. I indeed. see them. But, um, but, I see them. But I think as we tell our story, it'll be really obvious as to like, you know, my intuition around around me. me sticking around. I mean, like, I'm going to explore this a little bit more. I'm just going to lean into that one. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people... Have, you know, it's weird when you have a spouse that has had cancer for so long and you know, they're going to die. Like it's very different to just losing someone that you love in a car accident or some freak accident, right? Like you weren't preparing yourself for it and you weren't mourning it every day for months, if not years. And yeah. so I think a lot of people, when I actually waited a long time to kind of 
show you in the world just because I knew people would be a little judgmental about it. And again, I actually don't care about people's judgments, but I just also, I just, well, I mean, you had years to prepare Yeah, and some people might be tuning in and feel like it's sudden, but you're, I think point that Tristan had left, I think you had mourned and I think you'd had enough time to kind of step into a new space and then well and what people don't understand is you actually don't stop loving those that have passed like you don't it's not like you're replacing them it's like when you have one child and then you have another child you don't lose love for the first child it's just more love right there's i did no you didn't (laughs) you only have one kid (laughs) after he was born i'm like Uh, over over it um (laughs) you don't like it's just more love it's just you know the heart is infinite sure and so i think what's really important is how you mourn because if mourning for you is really hard and heavy and depressive you're not in an open heart space to open up more love and create more connection right sure i think my case with tristan was really unique i don't know how and i don't know why but it was like when he departed, he was still with us and mm-hmm. we could still feel his love. Like it just felt infinite. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would mourn his missing and I would celebrate our love and we would see him in rainbows. And, and then I was just thinking about how remarkable it was that that was the energy that my kids got to mourn their dad too, was look for him in rainbows. And like, it could have been a very different story, right? Like they could have not had that. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking of this the other day, like how lucky they were to mourn him and process his death in such a beautiful way. And so we were lucky to just have so many, like, it just seemed like revelation after revelation of him. I joke and say he haunted us, you know, he haunted (laughs) us as he died or after he died with all these rainbows and all these weird like manifestations and whatnot. And it was a very beautiful passing. Like his life was actually very hard and his dying was actually really dark. It was really hard to hold space for it. And it was, it took a lot out of me. Yeah. But his death and his rebirth into the other was really beautiful. And we could feel that. It was almost like he grew into his true essence, right? Like he was suffering for so long and then he passed and it was like, there he is, right? There's no more suffering. There's no more pain. He is just pure love. And he got to shower us with that love because in his deadly form, I guess, because he couldn't when he was with us because he was just suffering so much. So, and I also think there's a lesson there too, when you're talking about how the heart is infinite, I think it's really easy when you go through a really heavy traumatic experience to want to shut down your heart and mourn. But I always feel like the universe is also infinite. And so you can always try to remind yourself of the fact that when door closes, another might open. Right. And there's always another opportunity for growth and movement. Right. So I don't know if that's analogous to kind of what you're saying, but no, a hundred percent. Like I learned through Tristan's passing that I could mourn his missing, but still celebrate his love, right. And still access his love. And so the story of how we came to being 
was it's a cute it was one. it is <laughs> I like it I like telling the story a month after Tristan's death I kind of had this moment where I was talking with a friend Raj Jana and he was telling me about a book called King Warrior Magician Lover and it's the four archetypes of men and how you have to be in all of them to be healthy or something and if you're like dominant in one and not healthy in the others you're an unbalanced masculine male mm-hmm. and I was likening this unto myself and I've been Ryan's flexing right now. <laughs> I'm just putting out the vibe. <laughs> the masculine The vibe. masculine sexy vibe. <laughs> and I remember likening this unto myself and thinking, holy cow, I have been in my magician warrior for so long, like five years. I've just been in that energy of like save, save, health, health, create. Like if there was magician warrior like definition you'd see my face next to it right and I remember like one month after his death I was like I want to channel my queen and lover energy like I'm tired I'm tired of this unbalanced like push 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 fight 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 energy like I want to just lean into ease and grace and this queen or as one of my friends say empress this empress energy and this lover energy because it had been missing for so long. I had been a caretaker for so long. I had been struggling for so long. I had been pushing and pulling for so long. And I remember actually months prior, this is so funny, the November before Tristan died, Tristan died in July. And so what's that? Seven months, you know, Tristan and I, we had a conversation and it was very rare for Tristan to have open, honest conversations about his well-being in his his mind. Well, in his mind, he was going to win. He wasn't going to die. You couldn't talk about him dying. He would shut down. But occasionally he would have these like come to Jesus moments and he'd be like, yeah, I don't have a lot of time left. And this is one of those moments where he was like, I need to have an honest conversation with you. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I don't have much time. I probably have about six months. In that moment, I actually wasn't ready to have this conversation because I was so used to just dancing around him and being like, you're doing great. You're doing great. And he said, I want you to know that I want to live a life filled with happiness. I want you to find love again. I want you to know you and the kids are going to be okay financially. Like you have the business, you're the brand it's not me. And I was like, no, it is you. Like you're the brains. I'm the brawn. And he's like, you're going to be just fine. And he's like, but I want you to find love. I want someone, I want you to experience a life filled with love. And you know that when I die, I'm going to obviously find someone amazing for you. Right. And I just like, it was so sweet. And Tristan, he was a very, not possessive, but he like, he was a very jealous man, you know? And so for him to say something like that, it was really shocking. And honestly, I was in the energy of like, I'm never getting married again. <laughs> like I'm done. Like, because loving people just means you're going to lose them. And so I'm just going to raise my kids by myself and I'm just going to be more strength, more wizard. I'm just going to be fine. <laughs> I'm Everything's fine. I'm just going to be this fine. warrior. Fine. It's fine. I'm just going to keep channeling more warrior magician energy and just do it by myself. So anyways, that was a conversation that we had. And then Fast forward to a month after his death, I remember being like, no, I'm ready. I'm ready for lover energy. I'm ready for ease and grace. I'm ready for an epic life and an epic love. Like I want to call in an epic love. And so I had two friends that weekend say, write it down, write down exactly what you want. And so I did. I wrote down on my phone in my notes, 
a letter to my future life partner. Do you want to read it? Is that no, too? no, I'm not going to read it. Oh, chicken. That's no, only you and me and like two other people have read it. That's I think true. It's, it's, it's like it's my special. diary, Sure. but I started it with like future life partner. I want you to know that my love is yours and that we will soon meet. And because I want it to be quick, it's interesting. Like Ryan knows me. I always say, let's expedite this shit. Like, let's get things going. Like, let's go fast. I'm a go fast, go hard kind of person. And apparently I am like that in the dating world too, where I'm like, I don't have time to waste. Like, what? (laughs) These are literally things she says like multiple times every day about everything she's doing. (laughs) I don't have time for this. Let's go. Let's expedite this. This is taking too long. Yeah, that's exactly my personality. So the same formula definitely applies to dating. And so I wrote a letter to the universe. Verse, and it was like, and we will meet soon. Which and is code for P.S. Let's expedite this let's, shit. Let's expedite <laughs> this shit. And I wrote down, and I know it will be you because of these traits. And I wrote down a bunch of traits and I wrote down even how he would look and how he would be with me and how he would treat me and how he would treat the kids. And that was it. And like what he would do for work. It was just important for me that how he would think about the world and think about himself and how he interacted with people. And even down to like has a healthy separation or divorce, right? Like, because I've been through drama and I just don't want more drama. I've heard those stories of like dramatic divorces and then it just bleeds into your guys's relationship. And it's just like, oh, so now you're stuck in the divorce. And I didn't want that. My life has been hard enough. And so I wrote all these things down, right? Anyway, so this is a month after Tristan died. And like a couple of weeks later, I'm getting my nails done. And my nail technician is like, so how are you meeting people? And I'm like, oh, what? It's like been people six. People do that? Like, well, I'm like, it's been six weeks. Like, it, <laughs> this is really fast. Hashtag too soon. Hashtag also, too soon. hashtag expedite this. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so that night after she asked me that, like literally I was thinking about that conversation and a voice in my head was like, download Hinge right now and normally and normally normally I'm like no but literally the next voice in my head was like okay you know so I'm like this will be fun right it wasn't fun because people that don't know this like when you download dating apps it's a lot of people and a lot of energy and it's just like I don't have time for this right so I download hinge and I'm just like holy cow there's a lot of profiles what and you go through and you like a few profiles and I remember seeing Ryan's profile and it's stunning. like stunning, <laughs> gorgeous, tall, tall, blonde, blue eyed, <laughs> hunk, obviously takes protein. <laughs> Do you even protein, Do bro? You even bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I liked his profile and, but I liked a lot of profiles, right? Like they had to meet a certain criteria. But they had to, like, one criteria for me was, like, you had to see joy in their eyes. I'm like, you have to see their countenance through their eyes, right? You can tell a lot from people's eyes. And so so I liked his profile. And the next day or maybe two days later, he messaged me back and he said, hey, cute freckles, I want to take you out. And so I, was, so I went back and looked at his profile again for the second time. And I was like, there you are. It's you. You're the one. Like, I knew. Isn't that interesting? Like... I knew from looking at his profile the second time, I'm like, you're my person. I cast a spell on you. I cast a spell on you. (laughs) I I wrote the note. (laughs) I called you and you didn't call me Uh, and you were just out to have a good time. Shh, 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 babe. (laughs) Don't talk. It was all me. Don't talk. Don't talk on your podcast. So, so anyways. This is now my show. No, it's not. (laughs) The Ryan Grover show. So anyways, 
that's kind of it. Like we met. Well, so let's talk about the first date. Yeah. Like we walked in, we'd set up just like a real casual cause she That's was Starbucks. terrified of me. No, it wasn't. No, she knew I was the one, but we just did something really chill. We went to Starbucks and got coffee and it was really, really cute. She walked in and I think the first thing you said to me was like, oh, you're tall. No, you said, <laughs> I walked in, you're like, oh, you're gorgeous. Oh. And I was like, and you're tall. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I could also sense just, I could sense a lot of your energy, which was great. But I could also sense a little bit of some worry and some tension because there's just a lot of emotion moving through you. And so mm-hmm. we sat down and talked and you got really comfortable really fast, which was great. And I remember one of the, I mean, obviously we, we come from kind of similar backgrounds and both being kind of former LDS and moving through that process. And then mm-hmm. now. So you asked, you're like, so tell me, what is this Buddhist Christian Taoist thing? And I was like, well, I like all things. Yeah. So on his Hinge profile, when it asks like religious background, normally people say like atheist or Christian or Mormon. And you had three things down. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I've never seen that before. And I'm like, this dude obviously likes to talk about like. Claim them all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that to me was just like, there's a lot of depth there, sure. you know, and it was interesting because immediately it was so cute. I just feel like the, the universe gives hints here and there. We were wearing the same bracelets. Our favorite books are like the exact same, you know, yeah, uh, you The Untethered Soul. Tristan's Mala. I was, I was wearing. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, you like malas. I love them. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember if I had we, my mala on it. You time. didn't. No, but like we have the same sayings that we've bought at the same stores. Like, you know, there's just a you lot know, of kitschy shiz like, ki- yeah, love, laughter. No, whatever, we don't have that. No, Tristan would never <laughs> let me buy that stuff. Those of you that have it's totally fine. There's no judgment. We're just going <laughs> to poke a little fun. <laughs> no, <we're not. laughs> there are three rules in this house. No. You eat, you have fun and you sleep. Whatever, Whatever they say. Yeah. All the silly ones. Yeah. But like, there was just a lot of parallels and a lot of similarities that we had. And I like, I think we just really was it short. It was like an hour. Yeah. Cause you had to go to the airport. Mm-hmm. So we had like this great time. I think, I gave you a little hug on the way out and um, Mm -hmm. I drove off. I was going to go play golf that afternoon. So I'd met a a couple of my buddies and we're playing golf and I'm reconnecting with one of my dear friends who I hadn't seen in, I don't know, maybe a couple of years. He just Mm -hmm. happened to be in connected with our group. So we're kind of catching up and he's like, so tell me what's new. And I told him I had just gotten recently divorced. I'd been in three and a half year marriage, three, three year marriage and known her for six or seven years, but I was like, I met a really cute girl today. And he was like, Oh yeah. I'm like, tell me about her. So I just kind of described Johnny. I was like, she's really, really intelligent. She's read a ton of self-help books. Like she's, she's sharp. And somewhere in that meeting, she texted me. <laughs> so she I did. She had you already flown because out or were we on the airplane? I think I was at the airport when mm-hmm. I texted you. Mm-hmm. She was like, Hey, I have this really sacred place that I want to take you on next week. Can we go on another date? And I was like, sure. So I think you just said, yeah, it's just up at my house. Let's meet at my house and we'll make the plans. Yeah, there's, so my house is up in the Provo Canyon and there's like a hundred acres of private HOA land. And on that is a waterfall and it's, I call it my temple. And it's where I would hike up to two to three times a week as Tristan was dying. And it was just where I would like, it was my refuge, right? It's where you would ground. Mm -hmm. It's literally like 23 hours a day. I would just be on all the time. And then this one hour I would go and hike to my temple and just have time for me. And then I would just walk back into the chaos of my life. And so it's, it was sacred. And so I wanted to take you there. I wanted to show you the beauty of like my space. Right. And so, so you said yes. 
Yep. Mm-hmm, you did. I totally said yes. Yeah. So fast forward Tuesday, I show up to your house. I remember exactly what you were wearing. I remember what you were wearing the first several dates we went on, but you came out and I was like, wow, she is really beautiful. Oh. So then we started hiking. I think you brought Abby with you, didn't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. 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 And we were talking about like the family systems coach that I had hired to help me with the kids. And like, it was just really good conversation and really good. It was just fun. Yeah. You know, and you're just funny all the time. (laughs) And like, I remember on that date, I'm like, you're just like literal sunshine. And you said like your childhood nickname was RT Sammy Sunshine. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that makes sense, you know, because you're just like, sunshine and rainbows, you know, and a lot like Satori, you know, just, who's just light and love. You're just light and love all the time. And I was like, this, this is like, this guy is this really beautiful human who thinks deeply and has a very kind heart. Like it was very obvious that you were just really kind Mm -hmm. and gentle. Like you're just this like gentle, but like very bubbly person and this and it's rare to find people like that like everyone is just really jaded Mm. and you just had this like ginormous heart so after two divorces i'm not jaded (laughs) i mean there's some jading there that we will talk about we'll get there we'll get there yeah but Um, yeah the date was beautiful we'd been up there and we just that's the best way to describe our relationship is it just has always felt in flow it has always felt like the progression has just been easy mm-hmm. and that's not to say that we haven't had our challenges. There haven't been times where we've been like, huh, yeah. but we've always, always been able to just flow through it very, very easily. And so yeah. we spent like probably two or three hours just talking. It was like three, almost four. Mm-hmm. And she kissed me. She Whatever, kissed, shut up. She couldn't keep her hands off. It was amazing. <laughs> You're such a it's liar. It's all the protein shakes. What? <laughs> <laughs> he kissed me. <laughs> he kissed me and I was really shy. It but was so cute because she demurred and she didn't know what that word was. I'm like, it's so beautiful that you're demurring right now. She's like, what does that mean? It's like, it's like this bashful energy because you're such this, you're just such this beautiful flower and you just kind of like, <laughs> I went within you're like, Oh no. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you're great. Just, it was just very, a very it. vulnerable moment, yeah. you know, like yeah. Tristan was like my very first boyfriend <laughs> and I married him, you know, and, and here's this six foot three, 240 pound linebacker. So whatever. Leaning <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. in to kiss you. Yeah. It's like, of course. Of course. I, but yeah, I think we walked down and we talked about a little bit more about like health. You talked about some of the cookbooks you put out. You talked mm-hmm. about your podcast and it was just still just just super, super easy. Yeah. yeah. And like, you were so sweet. You were also silly too. You asked, you're like, so how did you know Tristan was the one, you know, <laughs> you're laughing. I was, and I was flirting like, with her. He was, he was, <laughs> he was teasing me. And I was like, it's just a feeling, you know, like I just, I just knew with Tris, you know, I knew that we were meant to be together. And it's just a feeling. And he said, kind of like right now. And I wasn't going to answer that. So I answered it with the question. Yes, I love you. So, <laughs> so, so, so I answered his question with the question because I'm smart like that. And I was like, well, can't you feel it? You know, so I didn't want to answer it. I wanted him to answer it. And you're like, yeah. I think this is apocryphal. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a revisionist. Oh, whatever. I think I was teasing, was like, how do you fall in love? Is it like a look or la la la? And she's like, I don't know. It kind of feels like this. And I was like, yeah, it does kind of feel like this. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I was teasing and said, does it feel kind of like this? And I think you were like, yeah. No, that's what? not how it went. Yeah, it was. Was it? I don't remember. Okay. I just know I was teasing you. you I know that we both kind of were like, yeah, there's, there's There's something something here. here. Yeah. Yeah. Like I felt it 
And mm-hmm. I did you feel it then? Oh, I can feel it. No, <laughs> did you feel it? Yes. And again, you guys, like, it's not that I feel like I have to say this, but it's not like I fell out of love with Tristan. It's just I just was in a space where my heart was open for more, you know, more love, more connection, like to continue my life. My life had been in such a state for so long and I did. I wanted to call this in. I felt ready. And it's not to say that everyone goes at my pace, right? Sure. Because it's interesting. A lot of times people feel like I have to be healed in order to, to love again. And that's absolutely not true. Like we're going to talk about that a little bit because Ryan has been a big part of my healing for me this year, Sure. you know, but, um, Let's finish the story and then we can kind of go into like what our Some relationship has looked like and how you've held space for me and my healing. Right. So, yeah. So anyway, so we had that date, we planned a third date and we went into it and, and I wanted to ask him about like his history with his two divorces and exes and whatnot. And it was so interesting because I show up at his house and he just divulges like without me even asking, he just starts talking for hours about it's just how energetically connected we already right. were. It's we always do this when we get in like little misunderstandings. We don't get kind of where the other person is coming from. Whenever we step back, we kind of realize that we're both looking at each other and we just build a fence in between us and we both want the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So she had heard some rumors through the rumor about you. Yeah, I was like this player and then mm-hmm. I was like not a good long term fit. Which um, was insane to me because I'm like, that's not the person that I hung out with. Like this person that I hung out with is gentle and kind and loving and just sunshine and who people were describing you as was like this player. And I'm like, it's not making sense. Yeah. So this third date, I really was going into it to kind of like interrogate you in a very tactful way. And it's interesting. Like you literally just, just all on your up. own. You well, just but I'm an up. open book anyway. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I, emotions move through me quickly. Like I, mm-hmm. and for the most it's part, true. my default state's pretty happy. So she shows up and I just literally start telling her my dating history from like, it was like the scene in Goonies when the kid's like, and then there was this one time <laughs> that this happened it's true. And, then this, and then this happened. And it was crazy. Cause I even went into like some of my shame around like LDS culture, like growing up in the LDS church and feeling like not comfortable in my body. Like my sexuality isn't my own. And anytime crossing some of those boundaries, I was like, and then I'd have to go talk to bishops interviews and work through all of that. Like in detail like for all hours. And then we got right up to Amy and I'm like, and that's it and she's like well what about Amy and I'm like nope we're not going to talk about Amy mm-hmm. and she was like hmm there's more there there's she has this pain gift. there <laughs> one thing you don't know about Janique is that she can sit down in a room with you and very very gently just say tell me more and then all of a sudden <laughs> everyone opens up and they're just like Janique you're my healer because she just has this really gentle method of like creating safety for people to open up around past instances traumas and help facilitate healing for people and so even in small ways she's done that for me equally as probably as much as I have for her but so it's interesting when you you stopped at Amy Amy's your second wife my most recent divorce mm-hmm. most recent divorce and yeah. like when you stopped I'm like oh there's pain there's there. still pain there yeah. there's a lot sure. in that you had spent the next few months with us together you just kind of opening up and healing for sure that. and I, part of it too is And you'll sense this maybe even in the podcast, like I can tell my story about what happened between Amy and I, but that's just my story. And so I'll do that with much, with great deference. But like, it was interesting too, because even in those moments, I think on our third date, you could sense this depth, right? Like we both could feel something there. We're both like, wow, like Mm -hmm. this has some potential and it's oddly 
safe and secure, but also kind of like that dual edged sword. When you're stepping into vulnerability, you mm-hmm. feel that possibility of hurt. And so there's some fear and trepidation, especially from my perspective, coming through two divorces, I'm like, Hey, I don't want anything serious. I just want to date and have fun and, you know, hang out with really cool people. But right. yeah, it was a really, really great third date. And just yeah. like everything else, it just felt like it was in flow. It just felt like, okay, here we go. So here are the next steps. Right. So third date, then we go into our fourth date, right? And it was interesting because at this fourth date, we're both being really vulnerable with each other and just like in our hearts and realizing, like you said something like, I'm really scared because I like this could work. Yeah. Right. Like, I think we were both having this really open hearted, like there's something here and it's really deep and it's beautiful and it's terrifying Sure. because we're leaning into it and this could be really beautiful, but if we open up and then get hurt, then it's just another layer of pain. Sure. Right. And we've both been through a lot of pain in our pasts. And so I don't don't know. What was your take on that? I mean, I've moved through a lot of really, really great philosophies in my life. And I think I'm in the stage now having read some of Michael Singer's books, like the untethered soul and the surrender experience. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of just, if you don't want to be closed off, never close off, just stay open. Yeah. And the reality is if I'm in an open state, yes, I'm open to pain and hurt and I'm open to being taken advantage of. I'm open to all of those things that can happen when you're deeply connected to someone. But the flip side is I'm also open to love and connection and joy and happiness. And so my personal philosophy is now much more than ever in my life is just this willingness to stay open. So even though I was like looking at you, this beautiful human and feeling and sensing that there's depth and that this could progress and that there is a little bit of trepidation. It was just so, it just has always been easy for me to open up more and more and more. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, since then, like we just haven't really been separated. Right. Yeah, for sure. I would say for sure fourth post fourth date, it was just like, okay, like we're doing this. I'm not going to date anybody else. Yeah. You told me that you broke off with someone that you were kind of dating and you wanted yeah. to go full steam ahead with this. Yeah. I clearly wanted to go full steam. Well, I like that on date, the fourth, date on the third date. You said it was the fourth. No, it was the third date. What'd I say? You said you're so easy to love. That was the fourth. Third. It was the fourth. Fourth. Mm-hmm. Positive. It was the fourth. Yep. But you're like right, I did, I said, <laughs> I am right. <laughs> I am right. Well, what's interesting, the fourth date you were telling me how you spoke with your mom and you're like, yeah, Shanique was saying how she called someone into her life to help her with something. And I bet you she called me in too. Mm-hmm. And so you were telling me that. Mm-hmm. And on the fourth date, I was like, I did call you in. Yeah, I wrote me. a letter to the, <laughs> tell me, no, I said, I wrote a letter to the universe and I called you in and you asked to read it. And I said, not yet. I was like, I'm not ready for you to read it. And I think it you, did really freak me out when you actually did read the letter to me. I was I know. like, Whoa, I know you like, was there a part of you that didn't believe that I wrote yeah. that before? I met sure. you because it's you. Yeah. The letter so is you. Fast forward to October. Mm-hmm. So we'd started just like we, I mean, we just knew we progressed at the right pace for us. Mm-hmm. Some, everybody moves at their own pace, but right. we were moving at the right pace for us. And we were at a point where we wanted to introduce kids to kids and kind of mm-hmm. us to kids. And so I had this really, really interesting experience and this will demonstrate how much one, I love Janique and two, how much she's been a facilitator of my own health and healing process. I'm driving with my son to this party, this Halloween party. We're going to meet her kids. And one of the dilemmas of 
being in my life, I'm five to 10 minutes late pretty much everywhere I go. It's just kind of Grover's standard time. Unless it's like really, really important, then I'll make a very deeply concerted effort to get there on time. So anyway, I'm running late. I have my son in the truck with me and my phone dies. So I can't call Jeanique and I have no idea how to get to the party that we're going to. And so in my mind, as I often do, I'm ruminating and I'm having an argument with my ex-wife who didn't like that I was always late. And so I'm getting emotionally keyed up and I'm ruminating and I'm like, this is just awful. So then I show up. Finally, my phone charges because I get it plugged into a phone charger and I'm like 20 minutes late, right? Maybe 25 minutes. I don't remember. But I walk in and Johnny's like, I don't care. You're here. Welcome. So the kids do their own thing. And then I kind of come down and one of our dear friends, Elia, is there. He is basically Janique's just, just second dad and second like best dad. friend. Yeah, just mm-hmm. a phenomenal patriarch. I don't even know the right word. Just a really, really wonderful human in her life. And so I met Elia and Elia and I hit it right off. And then I think she showed me the letter at the party. And mm-hmm. oh, no, no. I, she no, told, I, think she told I showed Elia it to you at it your was house. Later. That's right. Mm-hmm. But she had showed the letter to Elia and Elia was like, yeah. It's you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's weird. So the story gets even a little more better because the next day my son was sick. And so again, I'm back ruminating in my mind with my ex-wife, fighting with my ex-wife about why my son is sick and that I'm not a bad father, that I love him, that I still care. And that night I put him to bed and Janique and I got on a Zoom call because we were basically talking every day. And if we couldn't see each other, we were FaceTiming or whatever. So we're FaceTiming and I'm opening up. She's like, well, what's going on? I'm like, oh. I'm just, I don't feel like I'm a good dad. I'm still carrying a lot of these wounds from my previous marriage around my fatherhood with my son. And she's like, tell me more. And I just like, I was like, I have all of these insecurities. I've always felt like I would be a good dad. I always feel like I'm a good dad. But with my last wife, that was not the case. She just wanted to beat me up around being a dad and a father and all of these things. And she just opened up and created this incredible space where I could be vulnerable and tell her about my insecurities as a father and some of my wounds from my previous relationship. And it was like in the matter of an hour of talking through it with her it was like all of this emotion had totally moved and then again I'm just looking at this beautiful woman going like are you real like Mm -hmm. did you really come from like is this real so then we had another I've read a lot of self-help books (laughs) 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 I know I have all the right words (laughs) but there's been so many instances where this is something similar has happened like that drive when I was driving Henry back to my ex-wife's house. And again, I'm ruminating and I'm just opening up and like, I'm crying on the freeway mm-hmm. and you just held such beautiful space for me to work through some of those kind of previous wounds. Well, and like you do the same for me where you've helped me. Oh my God. Like I think of, you know, like we fell in love so fast and we have this beautiful budding relationship and it just feels so deep. Like it just, Like, I just think sometimes there's things that are predetermined, right? And this, like, our connection was a predetermined thing. My life with Tristan was predetermined, right? Like, I think we signed soul contracts, right? Like this, we had a soul contract. And it's funny because one day I was, like, looking at your face and I'm like, I've seen your face a thousand times. Like, I swear I've seen your face since I was, like, a little girl, you know, like this deja vu. But, like, I think we just have this soul contract to hold space for each other as we are healing our past. And I think of, like the amount of love you must have for us to kind of inherit three very dysregulated human beings, right? Sure. Like 
me and the kids have been through literally hell on earth. Just and, trauma. Yeah. And if I'm being really frank, it was what we witnessed and what we went through was so awful. It was so hard to be around to watch someone that you love suffer so horribly. Sure. And so traumatically. And so that's in our nervous systems. That's sure. in my nervous system. That's in the kids' nervous systems, you know? And so here's this beautiful, grounded, loving human being full of light and love just taking on these three very, <laughs> very dysregulated, <laughs> like we don't feel safe in our lives in this world, people. Sure. And you've just like, it's been beautiful because, I mean, you've been through me with COVID, you know, and that awful fiasco of like sure. getting on oxygen You've been with me when I like my health just declined severely this summer sure. and that was very scary. But then like, I think the most healing thing is like we've moved in together a couple months ago and you've opened up your home and you've created a home for us and like having someone that can tap me out when I'm feeling overwhelmed with the kids, like you just take over Sure. and that I haven't had in a year. Right. And sure. like, how like that is so healing because instead of being on edge all the time, like waking up, getting kids to school, going to work, yeah. coming home from work, being a mom and they need my attention and they would fight for my attention. And I'm just so activated and I'm so stressed. Now I can come home and as soon as I'm activated, you just take over. Sure. And then I can take a breather and then I can come back. Right. And I'm not yeah. like so amped up all the time. And so like I've provided space for your healing and you've provided for mine and it's just been really beautiful. And I think like what a missed opportunity I would have had if I stayed. S I mean, I've still been sad. People are wondering, how do you feel about my love and connection to Tristan still? Like people probably are thinking you, that you feel threatened by it or. No, I and don't. The interesting thing. So first and foremost, like I'm not a jealous human. Like that's not right. an emotion that I've ever struggled with in my life. Um, so there are some of your listeners who I'm sure have dealt with jealousy and insecurities and some of those things. And that's not ever been kind of a big thing for me. So stepping into this relationship and seeing Tristan for who he is, right? The father yeah. of your children. And now mm -hmm. we're raising them mm -hmm. and seeing your deep love and respect for him and what he's done has never, ever threatened me. Yeah. And oftentimes I feel this interesting deep connection to him in a unique way. And I can tell this story, hopefully, if you don't mind. We, um, like, I think Satori hit the nail on the head. It was maybe a month ago or a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember I, if you had I asked wrote it her, down. I wrote down the asked quote. Her something like, well, I, um, I asked her, do you think Ryan, Ryan and um, Tristan would have been I wrote it friends? Down. I asked Satori if she thinks that dad and Ryan would have been good friends if they had met. She replied, they already know each other. Dad sent Ryan to take care of us. Yeah. Like how beautiful is that? Yeah. And it's weird how just like the wisdom of a child, mm -hmm. maybe it's just their simple clarity, right? I'm just like, yeah. of course they're friends. Like of course. Tristan sent Ryan. Like that's, it was always meant to be this yeah, way. Right? Like, and that's another hard yet interesting thing. I was talking with Jessica White, whose husband also died of cancer. And she says, there's no doubt in my mind that Nathan was like his contract was to die. Sure. And for me too, like, like it seems very clear, like this is hard to hear, but it's like Tristan was meant to die. Like sure. that was his contract. He like, I think his sole contract was to experience everything that he did, the suffering, the pain, the heartache and how he kind of transmuted it. Sure. That was his gift to the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And he was this 
catalyst for change. We've said that on mm-hmm. numerous for so many people. For lives. so many people, like that was his design. Like sure. that was his contract to himself, to the world, and this was part of our design too and our contract. I feel like this was a contract that like you were handpicked sure. by Tristan on the other side and, and then by me, you know, when I wrote my spell and brought you in, like it just, it feels like it was always meant to be this way. And what's really beautiful too, is I've spoken with other widows who are like, yeah, my husband died and I found this amazing human who took on me and my five kids and, Like it was just this beautiful, what sounds like soul contract. Right. And that's not everyone's story, but like it just was in flow, you know, like, yeah, I mean, we can for sure be sensitive to listeners who have experienced extreme loss and haven't found new love because everybody's journey is going to be unique Mm -hmm. and that's just the path of life, right? Right. Like life is going to teach you the lessons that you need to learn. And again, you're not going to be completely whole sometimes when you find love. And sometimes you're going to be really broken and you find love. And sometimes you'll be mm-hmm. completely healed right. and still not find love. Right. And we just found ourselves in this wonderful circumstance where through some magic that probably Tristan facilitated, yeah. we found each other. Or maybe we just have always been destined to find each other. I love how you said, like, you don't have to be whole to find love because people are probably thinking, well, Janique, you're so evolved and like, I've read your posts and blah, blah, oh, blah. I get and that all the time. I'm like, she's so, so smart. So maybe. Just, let's keep talking no, about it. No, but like people don't realize like there's a lot of brokenness to me. There's a lot of healing that needs to happen. And like, for, there's a too, lot of trauma. There's sure. a lot of PTSD, but I think coming into a relationship and owning it and not mm. projecting it onto you. Our friend, Mike Sapiro, I've interviewed him on the podcast. Uh, Yeah, like he was the guy that I interviewed about ketamine back in January. But he was like, it's okay for you to have pain and to have triggers, but just don't make them his fault. Don't make them his problem, right? So when I'm in trigger, when I'm triggered about something that Ryan has done or doing or something that I've done, that now this energy from the past is coming up like an insecurity, instead of me being like, Ryan, why are you doing that? It's just like, hey, I have a trigger that's coming up. And this is what I'm feeling. And this is how I'm feeling about it. Can you hold space for me as I work through it? Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of blaming and instead of like saying this is your fault. And nine out of 10 times, I'm probably good at it. And then one out of 10 times, I, I suck at it. Right. Because I'm no, just you're phenomenal. But like, like you're an incredibly remarkable human in that regard. But you own your stuff for sure. I do. I do most of the time. And if I don't initially, I'll come back and own it. Right. And be like, yeah. whoa, I didn't handle that well. But I think that's important to be like, you don't have to be a whole human being. Mm-hmm. Like you can f- call someone into your life that can hold space for you and your healing. Because there's so, this is my attachment, right? Like if you read the attachment book, it's attachment just called attached. Mm-hmm. attached, attached, there's anxious, attached, there's secure and there's avoidant. And there's a very small percentage of people that are both anxious and avoidant. And I'm one of those. I'm very anxious, but I'm also avoidant. And so one of my attachment styles is to kind of like run away and be like, everything's not okay. Just run away. Right. Like burn the whole thing down. Like this wasn't meant to be blah, 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 blah. And I have to like talk myself out of that and be like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. Don't burn the whole thing to the ground. Like this is just your nervous system telling you you're in danger right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I have to kind of be like, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling anxious. I feel like I'm terrified. Like I'm afraid of abandonment and this is what's triggering it. Can you just hold space for me as I figure this out? And that's been a really hard thing for me too, because one of my wounds too is like actually being lovable while I'm broken. Like that's something that we've had to move through as well, because 
there's a lot of people that can't, I don't feel like can relate to what I've been through, right? Because what Mm -hmm. I've been through is so unique in a way. Mm -hmm. And so trying to heal something that people can't relate to and asking for someone to love me through all, like, I do feel like a broken human sometimes or I'm like, my brain doesn't work the way it used to. My body doesn't work the way it used to. Like there was unique before cancer and there's the unique after cancer. Mm -hmm. Right. And Tristan died and everyone's like, okay, everyone go back to normal. And it's like, I'm trying to start the engine. And I'm like, wait a second, this is a completely different car. Like my car doesn't run the same. It doesn't sound the same. It doesn't look the same. And so I just feel broken and in a sense, maybe unlovable. And so I've had to really lean into, Hey, are you still going to be here as I work through this? That's very scary. And it takes, I knew that when I found my person, they would have to have a lot of depth and they would have to have a lot of compassion, right. To be able to hold space for me as I go into these places that not many people have gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm certain some of your listeners have been through your exact trauma. They've watched cancer slowly and maliciously rob the life out of someone they love. It's just a slow motion train wreck. And to all of us, we can sympathize that with that because we all are part of this human experience and it can be tough and challenging and rock you. But for the most part, I think you are doing phenomenal and I think you can have, I try to just tell you as often as I can to be graceful with yourself, be gracious and love yourself and see yourself the way that I see you. Right. Yeah. Cause you, we all experience this. I was 40. I'm I'll admit I'm 43 years old. It took me 42 years of my life to fall in love with myself. Yeah. And now I'm in this wonderful place where I have really deeply to my core love who I am. And so I feel like the first time in my life I'm able to give love in a way that I have never been able to before. And so in this relationship with you, it's been absolutely magical in that I feel like I have a capacity to give you space and just hold you and tell you I love you and just try to help you work through that trauma yeah. of losing Tris and being a single mom and running a business and trying to do all of these crazy things that not right. a lot of humans have to experience. But What's really beautiful and... It's something, again, I'm still trying to heal is there's been so much unsafetyness inside me and in my life and in my body and in my nervous system. Like I have been so activated and so anxious for so long. And then I meet you and you've kind of become this like grounding person for me. Like you're my safety blanket. Sure. And it's interesting. We were talking about this this morning where like... I like when you, (laughs) this is going to sound so dumb, but this, again, this is just PTSD. But when Ryan leaves town for a while, like I kind of freak out like, cause I'm so anxiously attached Mm -hmm. and like, I'm so dysregulated. And so when you're gone, right. And I'm just like, I'm still healing. Right. And so Mm -hmm. you are this very gracious, gentle human being where you understand like, yeah, she's anxious attached right now. And she's still healing and she's still regulating. Like you said that to me today. You're like, it's okay for you to be attached right now. Sure. But what's not okay is staying that way. Sure. And I know like, I'm not going to stay that way. I need to create safety in myself. Mm -hmm. And that could take me a year. That could take me two years. But you have this depth where you understand that the timeline could be who knows what. Yeah. And I, I even think, because there was an interesting nuance too to what you said this morning. It was funny 
because I'm in the shower. I'm a Pisces. I can take 20, 30 minute showers easily. Mm-hmm. And Jeanique's just blowing her hair and we're having this wonderful discussion about our future and we're kind of talking about healing and what that process looks like. And we're planning a date night this weekend. And you're like, well, before I do that, I really want to make sure that I'm healing myself. And I'm like, hey, you can heal personally and you can take time, self-care and heal on your own. But you can also turn to me and help me heal you too. It's a two-part process. Or allow you to heal yeah, me. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's not my responsibility. I'm not trying to heal you. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to help you feel deeply, securely attached mm-hmm. so that you can reprogram those neurons yeah. and move away from the avoidant, move away from the anxious, right. and move into a secure attachment with me so that if I take a week golf vacation abandoned dunes <laughs> with my lunatic friends in December and act like we're <laughs> literally like we lose our brains. Like every time a man hangs out with another friend, each additional man, the brain power just diminishes. <laughs> and then you add all of the fun alcohol things and stuff that mm-hmm. men do, poker and whatever. Yeah. But, but we were talking that, about like how I was anxious of you leaving, right? Sure. I'm like, I'm really anxious. I'm terrified of you leaving. Sure. And so I need to find safety within myself so that when you do leave, it's not this big so the holy cow i'm activated and i'm super symptomatic now and yeah so it's just building the pattern while i'm here so that Mm -hmm. when i'm gone you have that strength we talked about it like analogously like a weightlifter you could have you can be bench pressing and have someone helping you lift and let's say you're bench pressing your body weight but your spotter is pulling half of the weight you're in your mind you're incorrectly thinking you're able to bench press your body weight Mm -hmm. but eventually the spotter slowly lessens the load and lessens the load and lessens the load and through repetition and health and safety yeah. security through love and being in a place where you can be vulnerable and open and deeply connected. Hopefully those muscles get a little stronger and a little mm-hmm. stronger. And then we get to a point where I can go goof off and you're like, Hey, I got yeah. it. Well, and that's, I think that's the beauty of what we've created is you aren't like this. Ugh, you're so needy. Ugh, you're so like, oh, I love it. <laughs> Call me every day. <laughs> oh, like, but again, you're I'm saying joke, like, yeah. yeah, like you're allowing this because you know, I'm trying to work towards regulating myself, but for now I need a lot of help. I need you to spot me a lot as yeah, I'm, and I'm so down with that. Like, because <laughs> I am, I'm very dysregulated. I don't think people know that about me. Like, because they hear me on the podcast and the Instagrams and everything looks so good, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, there's a lot there's happening. Under the, there's yeah. a lot of chaos that mm-hmm. you, and it's so I was thinking about this too. I'm like, like what a beautiful gift you are from the universe because you, like when I think of like my anchors, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you're probably the newest person in my life and yet you know me the best and you have helped me heal the most. Sure. Right. And so uh, because of like the space that you hold for me and the sacrifices that you've made, I mean, like when we first, Ryan's family is very calm. Like I've, I've, <laughs> they're very calm We're all people. really goofy, mm-hmm. but we're very calm. But we're quite calm. We're like, we're like onions. We've well, got layers. <laughs> but then, but then enter, enter the Ronies now and my two kids. And there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of chaos. And Ryan's like, what the, and I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't have bandwidth to manage this. And so you've just really stepped in. And again, you're just helping us like re-regulate. Yeah. And just load a car full of two pterodactyls <laughs> and see what happens in the back. It's like <laughs> angry, <just> hungry pterodactyls. <laughs> hey listeners, I've been a raging Cozy Earth fan for almost a year and here's why. I can actually use their sheets year round as Cozy Earth bedding is temperature regulating, which means I get phenomenal sleep. 
I've recently moved and have sold or given everything away except a few things. And you bet Cozy Earth was one of those things because all their products are made from responsibly sourced viscous from bamboo and come with a 10 year warranty. So they guarantee that you will love their product. Luxury, comfort, quality, it's kind of the total package. And if you use the code GUTSY, you'll get an exclusive 35% off your order. I swear you will love Cozy Earth just as much as I do. And it'll be one of your most favorite products you ever buy. But like they've grown so much, like sure. they've gotten so much better and they're so much more regulated. And, you know, you're talking to them about deep breathing and like you're talking to them about you guys have to learn to regulate yourselves. And, you know, we're all getting there. Right. But you've had to raise three very traumatized people. <laughs> and it's and it's the sweetest, like most beautiful love offering you could ever give us. Yeah. You know, like it's like you're such a kind human. And I knew I'd have to find someone that was very kind and generous and you have been yeah so thank you i mean again the trick i think Thich Nhat han talks about i'm gonna destroy the quote but he talks about cabbage and blaming the cabbage mm. if it's poor right if it's not good cabbage yeah he's like you can't ever blame the cabbage you have to look at the soil that it was grown in right and so we can look around us at the problems and blame the problem or we can have compassion mm-hmm. right we can have compassion for the people in our lives and yeah. i have deep compassion for one you my beloved because i love you so deeply and two, for the kids, it's really easy for me to see them. And when they get kind of crazy to go into attachment theory and just realize they're asking for reassurance, they're asking for security, they're safety. asking for safety and for attachment. And so the best example, two things that I love. One, I love your humility because you'll post something to Instagram like, look at this beautiful family picture up in Little Cottonwood Canyon last weekend. And you're like, not pictured Tennyson literally mm-hmm. crying for 20 minutes about, <laughs> oh my God. right? I think it was like 30. Yeah. <laughs> 45. <laughs> and I'm stepping into this new place where I realize what every other father has always said. All he cares about is silence. Yeah. It's quiet. I'm like, holy cow. When the kids yeah. go to bed, Johnny, can I just look at each other? And we're like, do you hear that? It's the sound of silence. It's beautiful. But the second point that I was going to touch on was it's, much easier to understand the why behind it. He Tennyson had been really hungry. He hadn't yeah. eaten really well that day. And so a lot of emotions start coming up. And then even you take it one kind of step further back and you realize like the deep trauma that, he, that he's been through, same trauma that you mm-hmm. have. Right. And we as parents, it's so easy to look at our children and think, why are you being so this outburst, right? Like imagine if I had come home from work and I was just stressed, right? right. And vexed and I'd had a bad day, right? Like, let's say I've just let go of three employees. Imagine mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. just recently happened. Yeah. One whom I love dearly, I've worked with them for eight years and I come home and I'm just like not in a good mood. How would you feel if your spouse is like, well, you'd better just toughen up, right? right? Like you get right. But instead, as adults, we allow ourselves these bad days. But sometimes when we look at our kids, we don't allow them bad days and we don't right. like kind of try to peel that back and ask like, what, what's going on? Tell me what's happening. Let me mm-hmm. connect with you. Let me reassure you. Let me, let me know. Let, how can I show you that I love you deeply and I'm here for you? So just right. tell me what's going on. So it has been, again, it has been in flow. Mm-hmm. I told this to my dear friend, Eric, who came over the other night. I was like, Janique is amazing. And I've spent the majority of my life mostly single. I've yeah. had one son whom I love dearly and share custody with his mom so I went from a part-time dad to 
full-time dad of two, part-time dad of three. And yeah, you talk about like kind of managing chaos. That's yeah. what literally raising children is like. No one tells you that. They're yeah. like, oh my gosh, they're so amazing and blah, blah, blah. And they love you and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> but 90% of the day, mm-hmm. they're running around like throwing things, kicking, biting, punching. Fighting like, each other. <laughs> literally opening up cereal and pouring it in the front room. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like rampage. Mm-hmm. But the crazy thing is, I love the place that I'm in in my life where I've been through what I've been through because it's prepared me for us. I was going to say our marriage, but for us, Mm -hmm. for our deep relationship. And it's prepared me for being a father, which I've wanted my whole life. And so to echo the same sentiment, it's just been this amazing progression of like, it's easy. Even the hard stuff is easy because I get to do it with you. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And I get to do it with you. I think like you've been given such a rich life, you know, and so much bandwidth. Is that a, <laughs> for really, us. Is that, is that a way to say you've lived an awesome life? Because I'll yeah, take it. Yeah, you have lived an awesome life. You've had such an awesome life. It's time to get to work. Well, well, like you've lived a very, I don't want to say easy life, but, you know, you were single a lot of the time, just having fun and, you know, building your company and rock climbing and doing all the things. And, mm-hmm. and I just, I like to think like you, you did you got all your wiggles out and got your cup overflowing Sure. for us three hot messes. <laughs> and you're not a hot mess. Like I have my moments for you sure. Have, you have, everybody does. That's true. I'm, do. I'm allowed to be human. And that's another sure. thing too, where, where I have to like lean into like, I'm allowed to be human and I'm still lovable. You are. As a dysregulated human being. Like, and I think, I wonder if that's the story of a lot of people from trauma where they just like, man, this is hard to deal with. Like I always, my thing with you is like, I'm a lot, I'm, I'm a like, lot no, for not. like, I'm like, and you keep you saying no story. Right. Yeah. Like, but I just keep thinking like my trauma and my PTSD and my anxious attachment, like it's too much. It's too much for you. Yeah. Like the, me and the kids, like we're too much for you. Right. But yeah. you time and time again, you just keep showing up and you're like, no, I want this. I've always wanted this. Like we were talking about getting ski passes for the kids you know, and you're like, I've waited my whole life to take my family skiing. Well, know? it was such, the backstory is we're talking about where we're going to get ski passes. My two parents are ski instructors. Mm-hmm. And so Jeanique's like, look, I'll call some friends and figure out which resort has the best place to learn. And I'm like, hey, I know, I know <laughs> this. I'm okay. I can, I can make this decision. Mm-hmm. And then we're talking about the same thing. You're like, well, why don't you get a ski pass where you want? And then we'll get one where it's easy for us. And then that we were not a burden for you. And I'm like, Jeanique. Like that kind of hurts my feelings because you're my family now and I've waited my whole life to ski with my family. Yeah. If I want to ski fast, I'll go with my friends, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But if I want to actually have fun and ski with my family, I want to ski with you. Right. I want to share that with you. Yeah. Like so. how sweet is this human? <laughs> like, I got so like, it's funny. I, we were, we were in bed the other night and I'm like, I'm actually thinking, I'm like 43 years. Like how did someone not just pluck you up and like red flags, say baby. mine red like flags. mine and then they you said the and then you said <laughs> you did pluck me up <laughs> you're like you, you literally did. did you were like Whoop. mine mine let's mine go. mine <laughs> she's a little mine 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 mine, mine. mine. I literally, i'm like mine. that's him he's mine like all mine and it's so she funny too hinge. because I, I i plucked you out of the universe and it's funny too because i've just heard from the grapevine like your friends like you were hanging out with a bunch of friends and then we started dating and you fell off the face of the planet mm-hmm. and they were saying how like this girl shows up and you literally just 
fall off the face of the planet. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, because I plucked you up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so true. I plucked you up. It's interesting too, like one other interesting point to circle back to how I think every human is like us. Every relationship is really probably like us. Mm-hmm. We both want the same things. We're just standing on the other side of the fence, looking at each other, wondering yeah. who's going to make that first move. Mm-hmm. Cause we're talking about stepping deeper into our, our relationship and what that future looks like. Right. Yeah. Society says marriage. I've been married twice and I have all of this core wounding around being married. Right. And you have a very different experience with marriage and I don't want to speak on your behalf, but I'll paraphrase the discussion. Just this idea of what do those next steps look like? And mm-hmm. I'm voicing to you that I don't want to possess you. I don't want to control you. I don't want to manipulate you. And I don't want you to feel obligated to me. Mm-hmm. And it was such a beautiful moment because you're like, one, what if I want to be possessed by you? And I was like, oh, that's really <laughs> cute. And then two, you opened up too and said, well, I don't ever want you to feel obligated to me. To, to make me happy. Because yeah. I know you would do it sure. to make me happy. Sure. Like if you asked me, I'll do anything, right? That's within mm-hmm. reason because I want to make you happy and I want right. to give you joy and I'm your person, right? Mm-hmm. But it was just, again, another really deeply healing moment where we both can look at each other and see that we're both mirrors and we're both the same. Mm-hmm. We both want the same things. We're right. just standing over here saying like, do you see me? Do you love me? Can you hold me? And you're over there saying, I feel like I'm too much. I feel like I'm a burden. Do you see me? Can you love me? And we both are like, of course we can. Yeah. You're my person. Yeah. You're my person. Yeah. You're my lobster. It's, (laughs) it's funny too that you bring that up because we've been to Vegas three times now. I took you to Vegas. Three honeymoons. Three honeymoons. We call them honeymoons. (laughs) I took you to Vegas because I went to the Meet Delix conference in Vegas last November. And I was like, hey, do you want to come with me to this conference? And you're like, yeah. And it like felt like a honeymoon. It was just like, this is like, you know, this is the longest time we'd spend time together other than like dates and date nights and whatnot and sleepovers. And it's like, uh oh, like, would we really enjoy Can being we really with doing it? And like, it was like the best weekend. Yeah. time. It was so fun. So every time we go to Vegas, we call it our honeymoon. And this last time we just celebrated our one year and we went to Vegas. And it's so cute because I was posting on my stories. And this thing happens where, People who are watching my stories, you can share the story with a friend and comment on it. Mm-hmm. But occasionally people actually share it with me and comment on Accidentally. it. Accidentally. Accidentally. <laughs> yeah. They're like, check <laughs> out this mother. <laughs> <laughs> and Only when, they send it to the wrong They human. send it to me. They send it to yeah, I've read some really cute and fun and not cute things. And it's just like, oh, peace be with you. And but this one was so cute. She was like, yeah, I was for sure they were going to get married in Vegas this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Which, so was I. But she keeps saying no. I keep saying no. <laughs> Nobody so, has to know. <laughs> but I think people keep asking that, right? And it's just like, there's pain. Mm-hmm. There's stuff in you that you still need to heal. And I'm not going to force you to do that. Like, yeah. Every day we're in choice and love each other and, you know, yeah. And again, obviously I, if you asked me to marry you tomorrow, I'd be like, hell yeah. Oh but you just have to I figure have to heal stuff inside You me. do. And so I'm like, I'm here for it. You yeah. know, like it just is what it is. Yeah. And so like, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, from conversations of God, sacred vows, I think touches deeply how I want to approach marriage with you. Do you want to share with people what that is? There's a wonderful book called Conversations with God, and it's authored by Neil Donald Walsh. Deepak Chopra. No, Neil Donald Walsh. (laughs) Neil Donald Walsh. Don't confuse people. Deepak Chopra. No. (laughs) 
Mariska Hargate. Oh. Okay, vows. Focus, honey. Okay, so peace be with you. Um, Conversations with God is a great book. In I think the second or third volume, they talk about a sacred vow. And basically, the vows are really, really beautiful. It's two people who step forward of their own choice to share with this group their love. And they're not doing it for some sort of state-sanctioned authority. They're not doing it for religious authority. They're not doing it for any other reason than we share this bond. We're telling the world what we've already known for a long time. And that's how I approach my relationship with Janique. Like after my second divorce, again, very deeply and truthfully, I was like, I don't ever need to get married again. And there's still a little part of me that romanticizes on this idea of 50 years from now, not being married to you, but just Mm -hmm. everybody knows you're mine. I'm yours. Right. Mm -hmm. But the flip side is the sacred vows is a vow that I would make with you. So if we do cross that bridge in the future, that's how I would do it would just be to share and let everybody else know what I already know to be true mm-hmm. and what you already know to be true. Right. It's just how much I adore you and how deeply connected to you I am and how much I don't want anything other than you. Right. I want to wake up in the morning and see your bright little <laughs> soft green eyes mm-hmm. and a little bit of bedhead. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of bedhead. And have you, yeah, just hug me. Mm-hmm. And no Satori's in the bed too and go, well, <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. She'll get out of there sooner or later because right. this time will pass. But right. I think my own personal mantra, I think kind of bring it back full spectrum even to like Tristan's life. The finitude of life is what makes it so absolutely, utterly beautiful. Yeah. Like meditating on the fact that we all die. And even meditating more deeply on the fact that there will come a time when no one will remember me. Yeah. No one will absolutely, no human being will speak my name and know that it's attached to me. And so the someday. finitude, mm-hmm. yeah, someday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finitude of life is what makes it so beautiful, right? Yeah. Christmas is beautiful because it happens one time a year. Mm-hmm. If it was every day, it wouldn't be as rad. But the odds of us being born is one in 420 trillion And the odds of me finding you, I can't even fathom that. But we've come through eons of time and we landed on this rock together and I get to share it with you. Mm -hmm. That's effing rad. It's amazing. Yeah. So that's what I want to cherish. I don't want to like worry about all this BS. I just want to be in this moment and share it with you and like raise our kids and... Mm -hmm. When this world ends, who knows what's going to happen? Are right. we going to go back and meet Tristan or is Tristan just us, us. manifest want, different? Do you want to tell people the dream you had about Tristan? Oh man. Yeah. I, so again, there's like, there's so many wonderful, beautiful things about this stage of our life and where we're at. We had a date night and yeah, I mean, it's kind of a little bit sacred, like you don't have to share it. It wasn't a vision and it wasn't a dream. It was just this waking dream where I deeply felt his presence. And it was so beautiful because he was, it was just like I could see him in my mind, right? And I, 
I could see all of his features. I could see his hair. I could even see molds. Yeah. And right? Tristan was very moly. He right? had hundreds of moles. So like, like I could the fact see that you him. could see that was insane. Yeah. And I could just see him looking over his shoulder and then he smiled and then like kind of left. It was interesting too, because that whole evening I just felt his presence. And it was interesting too, because I walked in and used your bathroom and Abby, your beautiful dog comes in and it was like, I could sense her feeling his presence too. And so I can step away from these mystical experiences and just even further step into that awe and that wonder, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, what is this life really all about? It's the meaning that I give it, right? Well, and what you kept saying was like, Tristan isn't gone. He's here. You kept saying he's, Tristan is here. here. He's a part of all of this. Like we're all apart. We're all, you kept saying, we're all connected. We're all one. You kept saying, I am Tristan. Tristan is me. Tristan is me. Yeah. Like, and how many people say like, they're like, holy cow, you even look like Tristan. Apparently oh, yeah. I have a type, you know, <laughs> um, rugged, gorgeous, <laughs> 200, really big pecs. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Jock. That's yeah, really that's, what it is. That's like, totally what Tristan very athletic was known type. for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Footballers. But it's just <laughs> interesting how like a lot of people say like you feel like Tristan a lot of, like you're you and him are actually very different but there's this like gentleness and this kindness and this sweetness and this like intelligence that mm-hmm. is the same you know and so people are like man he feels like Tristan and yeah it's just been really beautiful it's been this really like again I feel like if you are out dating you know and, and you're you're listening to the story and you're like I want to call in my human I'm ready I'm ready for more love I'm ready to open more love it's like one thing you need to ask yourself is, is it an, is it easy and in flow? Because the universe will say yes to that, right? Sure. Like if you feel like you're grinding for a relationship, I don't Let think it's meant go. to be. Let yeah. it go. It's not serving you, sure. you know? And for us, it's just been in flow. Like sure. we keep holding space for us to level up all the time, right? Sure. Like a really great a piece of advice that I learned through Gina, who learned it through a relationship expert was, you know, you're in the right relationship if that person you're with is helping you become a better version of yourself, yeah. right? And so if you are out to find love and you're finding someone that's not helping you like be a better version of yourself and hold space for that and you're not doing that for them, you're probably not in the right relationship. And I don't feel like relationships, you have to struggle. It doesn't have to be a struggle, right? Yeah, don't call that in. No, right? And when you are in a new relationship, own your stuff Mm -hmm. and make sure you're with someone who has the depth to own their stuff too, Right. you know, and are willing to look at it. Because I think every time we, like I bring up triggers and, or maybe blind spots in you and you bring up blind spots in me instead of being reactive. It's like, you're wrong. You know, it's just like, yeah, I, I can hear that. Oh, I can shoot. hear it from you. Like, Dang it. I trust you. I love you. And I know you love me and you're saying it and you will always say, my love, are you in a place to hear this right now? Sure. You know, and I'll always say yes, because it's you, you mm-hmm. know, like you always create safety for me, you know, like you would never want to beat me down and like judge me for something. Right. Sure. And so, especially with my dysregulation with the kids, like you've pointed out like, no, Shanique, you are being really intense right now. And I'm like, I am, Mm -hmm. but intensity is all I've known for years. Right. And so for you to come in with your softness and be like, you're being hard, I can say, okay, thank you for seeing that. That's a blind spot for me. And then I can watch you and your softness and try to mimic it. Right. And that's what a relationship is supposed to be like, not to whole and perfect beings finding each other, but to maybe, can I say broken humans trying to grow and expand together and be a better version of themselves. Right. Right. 
And there's so much freedom in commitment, Yeah, right? There's a lot of freedom in finding a relationship like this and leaning into it and trusting them to have your back yeah. and you have theirs even during the bad times. What have been some of our hardest times? What have been some of our hardest times for you? What'd you say? Oh, that's a good question. Cause I don't think we've had hard times. I've been in, I've been in not good relationships. Yeah. Um, that last protracted, not like, mm-hmm weeks like months years of just like grind like why is this not working right Right? and it usually generally always revolves around control manipulation fear Mm -hmm. right it's never love and connection because when you're in love and you're in connection you're not trying to control someone right and that's one of the beautiful things about our relationship i never feel like janique's like wait why are you doing that don't do that because that doesn't align with what I want. Mm-hmm. The opposite. Like I am infatuated with the ukulele right now mm-hmm. and you love it. You're like, yeah, practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do stuff that makes you happy. You're yeah. never like, mm, no, don't control, right. you know, don't do that. Invite do Eric this. to play with you. Right. Whatever. Because. Right. And I've had relationships where they're happy. always kind of like trying to control small crush. They're trying to like move into that place where it's like, no, you don't get to do this and you don't get to do this because this is who you are now. But I think the difference is because again, I still have fear. Sure. Right. But instead of projecting, projecting my fear onto you, I can say I'm fearful. Like we even had a conversation where I like, again, I was fearful and I was triggered and we sat down and I'm like, I don't think I deserve you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't know if like, do you remember that conversation? It For was sure. right after pal. And I was like, I don't know if this can work because I don't feel like I deserve you. And you it know? comes back and to it, your it, story. And it's fear, sure. right? And it's not like, no, we're not good for each other. Like you need to change or to, it wasn't anything like that. It was just literally me being like, there's a fear in me that I don't deserve your joy and your happiness when there's so much darkness inside me that I'm trying to heal. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm the right person for you, yeah. you know, and we were able to just sit and I said, I'm not going to make decisions while I'm in trigger. I'm just letting you know what I'm feeling right now. Sure. Right. And that probably wasn't, was that okay to hear or was that hard to hear? No, I, I always want to know what's happening inside your brain. Mm-hmm. Like I always want to know the thoughts that you're thinking, the feelings that you have even your pains, your sorrows, your fears, because then I know. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just telling myself stories. Right. I'm trying to describe in my mind Mm -hmm. the behaviors, the outward manifestations of what you're doing. And so the second that you open up and say, I'm feeling this, I did this because this, then I know Mm -hmm. and my story's gone and I step into your truth and know you better. So even... Right. Like if there's an insecurity that comes up to you in you and you want to come right and you're bringing heat or whatever, mm-hmm. we have this capacity to just step back and say, OK, let's slow down. What's happening? What are you feeling? Is this yours or mine? Is this true? Yeah. And I still love you. And I always, always, always want you to know I'm choosing you. Yeah. Like, I think that's what I told you even after like pal. I was like, because your attachment style is I'm a burden. I'm too much. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's anxious attachment and then there's avoidant and the yeah. avoidance is like, I'm too much. I'm just going to leave. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm choosing you. I mm-hmm. want you. I want this. I'm choosing this. And that's kind of subtle. Even what I said about getting ski tickets, ski yeah. passes. I'm like, I'm still choosing you, my love. Yeah. I still want you in my life. And like 
regardless of your flaws. I think your flaws make you more beautiful because you're mm. even just that much more real. Yeah. Right? It's and not that like even here, like even <coughs> hearing you say that, it's hard to believe. Like, sure. again, that's my you're story. Like, oh, but you don't know. No, no, <laughs> that's my story. Right. Because because this year is the first time I've ever experienced depression. Right. And I'm so like, again, the person old Janique before cancer, go get her work hard, can go 150 million miles an hour. And that's the person everyone loves. Right. And now there's this new version of me where it's like, I have sad days. I have sad weeks. I have insecurities that come up. Can you still love me? Because this is, this is new for me. This is hard for even me to accept. Mm -hmm. Right. And as saying that I, I learned or what a friend taught me was like healing happens when you can unconditionally love yourself at your worst, yeah. at your most unhealthy. And when you can, like, then you open up vibration for healing. Right. And so that's still something I'm obviously learning and trying to step into that this broken version of me that's learning to heal and re-regulate and navigate her new world and existence. Like, can you love her? Can I love her? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think when I'm coming to you and I'm saying, can you love me? What I really should say is, can I love me? Sure. Right. Because you've told me you can. Sure. So can I lean into that and be like, well, actually the love that I'm looking for is coming from myself. Can I love me? Mm -hmm. Because if I don't believe I'm lovable to myself, then how can I be lovable to anyone else? Yep. And so that's the energy that I have to remind, like, that's the truth. The lie is I'm not lovable, but the truth is I have to love myself sure. in order to get rid of that energy. Right. Yeah. And so and it's I think hard to do as humans. It is. It, it's really hard. And so anyone that's dealing with like mental health issues and, you know, dealing with depression and whatnot, like, I think this is something I'm trying to learn right now and navigate is like when I am in my down slump, you know, it's like it will pass and I have tools to help me. Like I use ketamine and breathing and I know when I'm overworking, that's when my mental health starts to decline. And it's like, oh, okay, my self care wasn't as good as it could be. And so I just have to have these checks, right? And these balances of like, am I doing self-care? Am I slowing down? Am I overworking? Am I, you know, but like the end goal is like when I am activated and triggered, like you are very consistent with me and I'm not blaming you for my depression. I'm not sure. blaming you for how I feel. It's sure. like something that I'm trying to step in and just own. Just internalize, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not internalize, but just well, be like, yeah. this is how I'm feeling right now. And it's not yeah. going to be like this forever. It might just be like sure. this for a few days or weeks or something. Yeah. But I always eventually snap out of it. Yeah. So even bring it full circle back to your question. I don't think we've had hard parts in a relationship there have definitely been times where we're trying to understand each other better mm -hmm. and it's frustrating because we're the same but we're just in different meat suits we're yeah. just in different bodies we feel things differently and we tell ourselves different stories to understand what's happening right but as soon as our walls break down the vulnerability opens up then the connection comes back that's when it's like oh yeah we're still the same yeah right? yeah so yeah we've had like I wouldn't even say disagreements, but we just had things that come up and we're again, really good at like this mind. This is an insecurity. This is an old wound. I need to own this. Right. Yeah. I tried to do that from the very beginning with you. I'm like, I know these are my lenses. This mm -hmm. is my lens and right. I'm trying to see the world through my lens and I don't like this lens anymore. So I'm trying to let it go yeah. and see you as you are not as a past former ex-wife. Right. Uh, as any of these other things, but just to experience you as you are. Right. And so, yeah, there'll be times in our relationship where it's like we're going through these exercises, yeah. growing exercises, I guess is a good way to say it. Yeah. 
of like, can I let go of an old pattern? Can I let go of an old lens? Can I let go of an old belief system? Can I let go of my projection? And can I see you more clearly as you are rather than the clouding that happens in my own mind? Right. And yeah, I would say there's never been maybe even like three or four days where we're in a place where we're not really understanding each other and not open and vulnerable. Right. But then the beautiful thing is once we come through it on the other side, it's just that much more deep because right. it's like, oh my God, you're still, you're still the one even more because right. now I understand you better. It's interesting whenever there is a divide, what's, it, it's the easiest thing in the world and yet the hardest thing is like when I'm feeling insecure, all I need is connection and reassurance, right? And I know if I just asked for that, you would give it to me. But instead, I pull away, making it worse, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's all of us. Like, yeah. all we want is connection. Mm -hmm. Just We just want to know, can you still love me right now? Yeah. I'm having a hard time finding myself. Yeah. Do you right? see me? Do you see Do you me? me? Can you hold can space you hold for me, me right now? Because yeah. I, I feel like my... I feel dysregulated. Can you love me while I'm just right now? Can you carry the weight for me right now mm -hmm. while I dust myself off? And right? the interesting thing too, even with triggers, the crazy thing about a trigger is fight or flight or freeze, right? Mm -hmm. And you get into this trigger, but it's nothing about the present. Yeah. You're not going to die. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that's going to attack you. Right. You're in this very, very safe space. Yeah. So can we experience that now with this new, this new place right. of safety and security? Right. And love. Right. And it's been this beautiful dance that we've done all year and hopefully for the next 30, 40, 50 years. We were talking about that on Sunday. It's like, let's do this for 50 more years. Dance with me mm -hmm. for 50 more years. Yeah. Like I told, because you go through the infatuation stage and some people who are listening to this are probably thinking that, oh, it's just honeymoon, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, give them time. This will wear off. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. No way. No way is this going to wear off. Yeah. I want 50 years though, where I can look back and in your eyes, I can see that gray hair and I know where it came from, <laughs> or I can see a little bit of a crow's foot start to grow Yeah, and know it's cause I made you laugh mm -hmm. or I can see like a scar on your knee because you fell somewhere. Mm -hmm. I can see and just know those things, right? Yeah, That's what I want. I want old love with you. Yeah. Seasoned, deep. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like they say this when a new couple is in the infatuation period, when one of them enters the room, the other's blood pressure rises, their heart rate rises. Mm -hmm. And old couples, when their partner mm. enters the room, it lowers. Oh. And I can't wait for that with you where I'm sure it already happens, but where you walk in a room and I'm like, oh, yeah, there she is. There he is. Yeah. There. Just ease. Well, There's my blanket. Right. There's, there's, my, there's my safety blanket. There's my love. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, like, I feel like we're even more connected and more in love today than we were a year ago. Oh, absolutely. Even like the even infatuation like part is like beautiful. Yeah. But it's like gorgeous. It, well, no, Who it's, it's fun. Just love on you. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. No, it's just, it's fun. But when you move through that into something deeper, <laughs> it just feels so much better. Yeah. It's so much, I don't. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it like, it's soul encompassing, right? Versus just heart. It's like heart and soul. Like mm. infatuation is all heart, but yeah. this is like soul deep. Twitter patient. Yeah. This is like. Yeah. This is like, like you peace. said, like your, your blood pressure drops and your heart, like some, there are some nights where I wake up and I can feel my heart racing and I know my anxiety is high. 
and I'll just like curl up next to you and I'll just like, <laughs> it's so cute. You were saying the other night you came to bed and I kept chasing you around the bed and this was all in my sleep. <laughs> I was out cold. And it's so funny because you do that too. Mm-hmm. And you said the sweetest thing to me today where you were in the shower and I was blow drying my hair and you were just watching me and you're like, I'm just watching in case someday I'm going to have to, and someday I need to take care if of I you. If I ever need to take care of you, now I know how to do it. That was so sweet. <laughs> like, it's the cutest thing, you know? And I'm doing just, tree pose in the shower. <laughs> in the shower. <laughs> with the door wide open. Water's dripping, flying everywhere. And she's blow drying her hair. And she's like, are you just staring at me? I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> it's the sweetest thing. Like, you're just the most wonderful human. Like, and like, I think one of the best gifts that's ever been given to me throughout our relationship because I've always just felt like you do so much for us, right? You've sacrificed so much for us. Like there's disparity there with how much you've given us. Right. But which I don't agree. I met, with, yeah. Well, I met your family up in Idaho and they're lovely. Like your family's amazing. I know. I love them. And they said, we have our art. They call you RT, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, our RT is back. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, but that was all him. They're like, no, you were a big part of his healing too. Mm-hmm. He was lost for a little dark. bit. Yeah. He's like, basically saying like your light was gone for a while mm-hmm. you know and i'm like yeah. i was like whatever he's always just been light and sunshine and rainbows from the second date i said you were sunshine nope. you know and like and so Even, that's yeah. the best gift i've ever had they're like no you helped him heal sure you know and that was like wow really like mm-hmm. i couldn't think of anything better to give you yeah you know than to just love you like just for sure all we need is love. That's it. It doesn't have to be complex. It's just like, I love you no matter what you're going through. Yeah. Like I'm here. I will love you. And what a beautiful way to say, right? Like anytime you feel like there's disparity, like mm-hmm. go ask my family. <laughs> be like, oh no, we see what you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like the bar was really low though. <laughs> like it's really, shh, like it's really shh, easy shh, to like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> Just, it doesn't take much to keep me happy. I know. It's really easy and simple. And, yeah. and you know, and going back to healing and triggers, right? Like in the beginning, you would tell me, I'm trying to filter you and see if you're a narcissist, right? And that would hurt. Like it would hurt to be like, oh my gosh, he's trying to see if I fit into his narcissist lens. But the bigger part of me knew this is his pain, not mine. I can hold space for this as he's figuring it out, right? Sure. You weren't calling me a narcissist. You were just saying, I'm this trying. This is my lens. I've studied this, this my, deeply. Mm-hmm. I have to let it go. Right. And you're just protecting yourself, right? Sure. In a way. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm here for it. Hmm. Like, test me. Yeah, I'm not. Easy things. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. This is yours. It's not mine. But if I were in trigger, then I'd be like, what? I'm not a narcissist. You are, you know, like, mm-hmm. and but that's not holding space for his healing. Sure. Like taking his triggers personally it's his story it's not mine mm-hmm. all i have to do is sit there and be in love and be like i'm here and ready when you are yeah like when you're ready to realize i'm not a narcissist then great yay yeah. and you i mean <laughs> if you guys can hear tennyson in the background we're recording while the kids are in the office too um so a lot of people want to know like how's this been with the kids like how and i i think this is really beautiful actually because um you, you tell it you you tell this Well, I mean, obviously we wanted to be very, very careful with the kids. Yeah. So we wanted to take a lot of time before we introduced me to the kids. Right. Mm -hmm. And then again, it just has always felt in flow. Yeah. We'd been dating, I think 10 or 11 months and it was getting close to the start of the school season for the kids. And so we just thought like, 
okay, is now the time to move in? And it was just like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. So that first day we're literally bringing the kids into our house and we did it in this really gentle way. We're like, Hey, we're just going to do a little sleepover at Ryan's. And Tennyson's like, like, can we live here forever? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, buddy, I would, I would love that. Mm -hmm. And Satori, she's more of a cat, right? Yeah. She'll approach you when she's ready for love and then she'll move away when she needs her space. And so when you guys moved in, she just kept referring. She's like, let's just do this for 18 days. Mm-hmm. But then it just it was so influenced, so natural. Yeah. Like we got the kids in school and got in these routines. I think now she's at a point where I don't think she could imagine going back to your old house. Not that, not to say that she doesn't miss it because we've stopped there, you know, here and there. And they miss it. Yeah. And they miss yeah. it because it's a part of them and it's a part of their history. But yeah. just like Tristan, right? Like. Yeah. It's a part of them and it's never going to go away. So like if we have a picture of Tristan and you and the kids in the house, that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. And then we're also going to take pictures with me and the kids and have that in the house and just celebrate all of these times of our lives and celebrate all these different periods. And so I think it's been really, really easy. I hope for the kids. There are definitely Mm -hmm. times where I bring masculine energy and there's some funny, funny stories we could tell around that, (laughs) like some really funny stories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I think it's just that balance that yin and yang right like you're their mom and they're naturally going to be drawn to you when they need affection or they need reassurance and not to say that they don't get that from me because there are wonderful moments like the other night I think it was so so beautiful but it was just like a simple night right like I think Tennyson had crawled on my lap and was holding me and then Satori like walked over and she just starts kissing my arm and so I'm like I love you (laughs) so it's like I have this instant Mm -hmm. family and it's just it's been phenomenal. And even my ex-wife has been really, really great with this whole process. This is a good story too, because we wanted to be very, very sensitive to her and her needs. And so we're always talking and kind of planning and thinking. And one thing that Janique and I are not good at is sitting down and watching movies together. Because yeah. every time we sit down, we start talking. And then sometimes we even make out and kiss, which is crazy. <laughs> I know it's hard to imagine. <laughs> But when we were getting to the point where Janique and I were getting very serious, we actually luckily had Mike over for a weekend. And so we were kind of talking through it and he's a therapist and he picked up on some language that I was using that was manipulative, which blew my mind because I was talking about, well, I want to talk with my ex-wife and make sure that she's okay with this. He's like, why? He's like, that's manipulative. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you need to allow her to have whatever emotion she's going to have and just introduce the idea and then let her have that space. And I was like, oh, shoot. So we kind of talked through that. And then I went and talked with my ex-wife and just told her, I was like, hey, you've met my girlfriend and we're getting very, very serious. And she's going to become a very long-term part of my life. And I want to talk about this with you so that you know what's happening. And I want to create space so that you can feel however you're going to feel. And her immediate knee-jerk reaction to her credit was, that's great. Like there's just now more people in Henry's life to love him. Mm-hmm. Henry is the name of my son. And so even with my ex-wife, we've moved into this really great place where we're co-parenting well. I think we have a really great deep respect for the heritage of your family with Tristan. Mm-hmm. I think the kids are in a really, really good place yeah. where they're in a home that's filled with love. Yeah. And that's really the most healing thing that could ever 
help them is just loving them and having a home filled with love. Like Tennyson's blossoming. I mean, he's just, it's interesting because he's funny. Like Tennyson's a funny kid. I like, I didn't know this about him until, you know, we moved in and like, we're all just kind of regulating, but it's interesting because Tennyson and Satori have experienced Tristan's death very differently. Satori remembers every detail she she will encounter strangers um she was at a new friend's house and the grandma was there and grandma's really good with kids and grandma just heard the whole story from satori right (laughs) she's like Like, this and this dad like like dad dying like the oxygen machines what they sounded like how she would get him throw up bowls how she would get him cups to spit in how he would how she would take care of him him him. love him like what he sounded like how he smelt yeah you know like she just remembers things in detail right like Mm -hmm. how she would miss his voice because he lost his voice at some time and how he had a hard time breathing and and like she just remembers everything it's so cute this grandma said she had to go downstairs and cry Mm -hmm. and like and she was talking about you as bonus dad you know they still call you ryan but they also say he's our bonus dad yeah right and so i don't know if they'll ever switch the name i don't know if we're like too far gone or whatnot if you're just ryan to them and you're not dad maybe that'll change i don't know but you know but tennyson he doesn't remember a lot i Mm -hmm. I think he was at an age where his to cope and compartmentalize, he had to forget things. Sure. So he doesn't remember a lot about his dad, but like, but we're seeing how they're healing so much, like from being really uptight and insecure, they're opening up and they're being goofy and they're being loving and they're like, they're going out of their comfort zone. Right. And yeah. these are all just signs and symptoms of healing, right? And, and, and it's been secure. really beautiful and mm-hmm. being very secure, you know? Yeah, we went on a hike and Tennyson was like, I'm going like, to high five one random stranger. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah? And he's like, yeah, I'm a people person. I'm like, like, what? Yeah, that's Heck right, yeah. buddy, you are. Uh-huh. And he just gave some random, I think it was a little girl, a high five. And I was like, yeah, buddy. Oh, it was it an was, older boy. It was an older boy. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And, you know, whereas before, like the three of us were both just very introverted and kind of shut down and just... Just coping. You're going coping. through trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like just trying to regulate. That's been an interesting one too. My social anxiety has gotten really bad this year. But again, I'm just healing. I'm like, my body's trying to regulate and whatnot. And mm-hmm. situations that are predictable for me are obviously ideal for me right now. And so social settings are very unpredictable. But yeah. again, the kids and I, like we're all, we're seeing these little changes in healing. And so yeah. it's been really beautiful. And we've just created this really beautiful family. Yeah. And it's just been I don't awesome. know. Like I tell you, like I've waited for you my whole life. Mm, it was too, worth it. <laughs> it yeah, was really worth totally it. Totally worth it. And I just freaking adore you. I love and the I'm... shit out of you. <laughs> Same. <laughs> can I say that? S H I Z. Yeah. Yeah. You can. I love the shit out of you. <laughs> um. So, uh, how do we want to end this? Like, mm. I don't know. I think that's probably I a good think, ending, don't you? Yeah, think? I do. I think we've. Shared a lot. Bases. I'm sure mm-hmm. people are going to chime in and be like, but what about X? Or and we can do a follow up. It's sure. fine. You know, if people yeah. love this, we can just keep, we, we clearly don't have a problem talking about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I think been the longest episode I've ever recorded, which I think people will really enjoy. So sure. Or, cool. And if not, they can just go yeah, to the next episode. Turn it off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> go find some non-mushy story of, about something other than love. About mitochondria. Oh, gross. <laughs> and gut biome. And gut biome, which is fascinating, by the way. Deeply. Um, so, yeah, it is. Let's talk about poop. Yeah. Let's talk about your soda problem and how that messes with your microbiome, Ryan Grover. Mm-hmm. That's Mike that's probably Laura. the thing that we fight about the most is your soda. <laughs> it's the cutest if, thing if ever. We are, she just like, oh. <laughs> 
You walked in my office again. today with soda, and, and like I was three like, people what? Like, what the? Did like, you just do? Like, my front desk staff are pretty healthy and crunchy like me, and we're just all like, what is happening? Why is there a Mountain Dew in here? It, the only thing that would have made it worse if I brought gluten with me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. You brought gluten? <laughs> what? And sugar? And sugar and soda. That just is it. <laughs> Uh, and listeners, we hope you learned something today and this is eye opening. And maybe it like for those that are struggling, like maybe this just hopeful, yeah. Yeah, this plants a seed of hope that there's, there's love after lo- loss. There is love after loss. But the loss doesn't go away. Sure. It's always there. It will sure. always be there. But you just learn to incorporate it into your daily life. You learn to integrate it. Right. And I like this analogy of like there's a box called loss right and inside this box is a button and it's a small box and there's a ball that kind of jumps around inside the box and the ball will hit this button a lot because it's a small box right Mm -hmm. and that button is your grief right and every time that button is hit you are like you're on your knees you're devastated right but over time that box gets bigger and bigger the button is still the same the ball is still the same but the box grows right that's kind of how this is. It's like there are times where it's just that grief button gets hit and I'm just crying, right? Mm-hmm. But you learn to live with it and you learn to integrate it and it just, it won't ever go away. Like you're not dishonoring those. You know, Good I think, past. yeah, I think we place on souls the characteristics of humans. Mm-hmm. Humans are possessive. Humans are jealous, mm-hmm. right? Humans, like the human Tristan of course would be jealous of this, right? Because who wouldn't be? Stop. <laughs> but Sorry. No, no, no. No, I didn't mean that in a mean way. Like, I mean? <laughs> no. Um, that sounded really terrible. <sighs> no, no, but, but I get of it. Course, like, you of would course. have those emotions. Right. But when we're in the realm of souls, all there is is abundance and love. love. Yeah. There's like, of course he would want us to feel love after him. He would want like the part of being alive is being forgotten. Sure. That sounds really terrible, but we will all die and be forgotten someday. That's a part of life. Mm -hmm. And that's not a part of being a soul. Sure. You know, and so I'm not saying Tristan wants to be forgotten, but Tristan wants to be honored through expansion of love because that's what we are at our essence. I believe souls, we come from love and we come into love and we return back to love. Mm -hmm. So of course he would want us to continue his legacy of love. Right. And And so, and so, yeah, my grief button is going to be pushed forever. Right. But the heart is infinite and the soul is infinite and I think at the the vibrational frequency of souls and hearts is just love. Mm-hmm. And so we heal through love. We grow through love. We evolve through love. And grief. And grief. Thank you for always bringing that up. I always find when I'm in my depressive states and I learn something from it, I'm a better person at the end, right? Sure. Like the grief does teach us about ourselves and our world. And it helps to bring depth and it helps to bring empathy. Like. Yeah. I can, can I read this Michael Weller quote? Yeah, totally. It's the one I sent to you. Excuse me. Francis Weller said, the work of a mature person is to carry grief in one hand and gratitude in the other and to be stretched large by them. How much sorrow can I hold? That's how much gratitude I can give. Yeah. If I carry only grief, I'll bend towards cynicism and despair. If I have only gratitude, I'll become saturine and won't develop much compassion for other mm-hmm. people's suffering. Grief keeps the heart fluid and soft 
which helps make compassion possible. And I love that. And it's interesting because I do feel like the gift grief has given me is incredible depth. Passion. There's a lot of people I can relate to that mm-hmm. most people can't. Sure. You know, and so it's like a superpower. It's a superpower you are reluctant to get. But, you know, but it also creates the contrast for love and gratitude, Mm -hmm. you know. And so if you can allow yourself to feel your grief and open up your heart to love, how rich your life can be. Like my life is so rich because of you. Mm -hmm. Right. And I honor Tristan by loving you. And I honor you by still loving Tristan and the kids, you know, like there's enough for all. There's abundance. There is abundance. Right. And it can be easy and graceful. Like it, we have our hard moments, but like it's just been so in flow. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you, when you're ready to step into that, the universe always says yes. The universe says yes. Yeah. The universe says yes. And so I was lucky. I made a request and you, the universe said yes and plucked you out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when the timing's right, it will hopefully do the same for the users as well. When right. they're ready. Other people. Listeners, excuse me. Yeah. For anyone listening. So listeners, thank you for doing this like hour and 40 minute podcast with us. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed it a lot. That's it. it. Is that it? That's it. I know what you're trying to say. (laughs) What? You're trying to say, oh yeah, that's (laughs) it. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Grover. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Never. Uh, All right. Listeners, thanks for for tuning in and give us some feedback. Like let us know what else you guys want to to learn about us if we want to subscribe do button and smash the like button <laughs> bye bye that was Tennyson, <laughs> that was Tennyson. <laughs> yeah let us know if you if there are topics you guys want us to talk about or go deeper into I think you'd be fine to come back on and go deeper into certain things yeah. right if you can't tell I love the sound of my own voice <laughs> so yes <laughs> I can talk <laughs> with the best of he's loving and very confident <laughs> and extremely humble Uh, (laughs) all right guys we'll catch you next week take care thank you for listening to the gutsy health podcast we hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode for more updates follow us on instagram at gutsy health podcast